Lord, we are grateful that you bind us together by your spirit so that even as we are gathered in many different homes and locations and great distances, you can, by your spirit, minister to each one. You are not limited. And so we pray that we would hear the good news of the gospel this morning by your spirit through the preaching of your word. Lord, whatever is said that is not useful or true, Lord, may those words quickly be forgotten. In Christ's name, amen. So about a year ago, I bought a Garmin GPS because I was increasingly trying to hike, snowshoe, get lost in my uh, Jeep that my brother uh, gave me and uh, has a wonderful green door. It's a work in progress. But I bought this Garmin GPS and it came loaded with something, and I should have talked to Ben uh, Jeffries about this, with a called what a map called a hundred topo and the i guess the idea is it's a topographical map at about a hundred scale which means it doesn't really have a whole lot of detail and so i'd go out into the woods out here in the coastal range and i'd be trying to drive up to some peak or another and follow roads and on the one hand i could see the roads on the map but when i would try and say let's go drive to beaver peak it would draw a straight line with no thought to the rivers and the valleys and the mountains between me and that spot. It didn't take me around a road, it just drew a straight line. And that straight line seemed like to the computer a perfectly reasonable way for me to go. And of course, if I wasn't paying attention, I could, you know, as has been done in many a comedy, your GPS tells you to turn right, and regardless what common sense you have, you turn right and you drive into whatever is right there. The map doesn't have enough detail, but it's trying to draw a straight line. And there is a lot of ways in which human religion tries to draw straight lines. We kind of know where we want to go. Those who have a spiritual longing, who pursue religious notions, and have a desire to think about the things that may come and to contemplate a life and its values and whether or not one should be gracious. What does it look like to please the divine or to be in, in the rhythm of the universe as some people of faith pursue it? And there is a way in which human religion usually creates a fairly straight line. It is a line that is either defined by uh, strict rules or certain practices, but if you follow that line, you'll get to that particular point. The problem is most of us find that those straight lines take us through disasters. We can't follow the rules well enough. The rules themselves become ways in which we distance ourselves from one another. We uh, can't hang out with people who will pull us down. We can't be gracious to people who don't share the same views. There's all kinds of ways in which we get into briar patches and thickets and quicksand and one disaster after another, not to mention the fact that sometimes the religious goals we have are so steep that it's like heading straight up a mountain that would really be better climbed if you went around it a few times and got to the top because the straight line to the top, though it may seem quicker is quite frankly untenable. 
Paul is talking about that, and if you read the chapters that lead up to our passage here in 3, about how the resurrection of Jesus is transforming earthly understandings and worldly understandings of faith, and how one really and truly enjoys and unpacks what it means to be new, to be renewed, and to be alive. And so we'll walk through this uh, just the way Paul does. We're going to look first at the fact that we're already raised. There's already something that's been done that's going to change the way we look at the map of life. It changes everything. To move from a uh, dead to alive is going to change your view on how to get to the place we want to go. The second is that uh, there is a difference between the things above and the things of the earth, but perhaps not the way that our culture uh, normally thinks about that when we think of this sort of dualistic notion of spiritual good, matter, bad. That's not what Paul's talking about. And then what we'll talk about is the implications of the resurrection uh, in that uh, we will, with God, with Christ, enjoy the glory of arriving in God's time at that day when all things will be made right. So that's the basic outline of our time together this morning. First of all, we're already raised, verse 1. Again, the tenses are so important. Uh, so often we think of the resurrection of being as being completely future, my resurrection being completely future. But like most things, this side of Christ's return, there is an already and there's a not yet. So there's an already in which the promises of Ezekiel and a new heart, the promises of new life are really true. In the spirit, I am a new creation and so are you. There are ways in which I am now in Christ, which is a situation that was different when I wasn't in Christ. I am in him in a way that allows me to see and to feel and to have the opportunity to see and feel the world around me the way God sees and feels the world he created. Not isolated from the, from the divine, but actually now by the Holy Spirit indwelt and made alive. We have been spiritually raised, and this is the first reversal. In Adam and Eve, they died spiritually first. Their connection with God was broken. They physically, their hearts kept beating for quite a while, at least, you know, in comparison to how long our hearts usually beat, well over 900 years. But spiritually, they were dead right away. And so it's wonderful and true, and we need to hold on to what it means when Paul says that we are now alive in Christ, that first consequence of Adam and Eve's sin, which robbed them of a spiritual vitality and peace with God, his peace with us has been restored. It won't be more restored. There's no way to get any more of it. It is true. We are raised in Christ. Do I understand it as well as I like? Do I rest in it as much as I like? No. No, I rob myself of the peace of that regularly. But I can't get more of it. I am alive in Christ. 
how does that then help us be able to focus on things above rather than things on the earth? Now, again, here, this is where we get back to the challenge of my GPS not having the right kind of map. Because the things of this world are fairly, well, limited, and they're selfish. And they certainly see the impediments from getting from point A to point B, usually being people around me, or the brokenness of the world, which then, instead of being confronted, has to be somehow accommodated. And so most earthly means of religion that Paul's talking about here in Colossians end up having a lots of lists of do's and don'ts and certain kind of religious activities that you have to perform. And that's a very worldly way of thinking about how I can make God like me and how I can know that I'm achieving what needs to happen. I'm still very much in command, of course, but I create a religion that I can accomplish. And usually what that means is I'll take the straightest line. And so if I'm a person who loves rules, I'm going to in, be inclined towards a religion that's all about rules. And if I'm somebody who's more inclined to a religion that is very uh, emotionally oriented and non-rule oriented, then I'm going to use worldly means to create a faith that very much embodies who I am. But of course, the Christian faith is not reduced to any one of those. In fact, what Paul's going to say later on in Corinthians is those things that are above. What are they? Well, not surprisingly, they are characteristics of who God is. So in verse 12, he says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. Those don't seem like ways to get from point A to point B from a worldly perspective. Those are not paths that seem expedient. They usually end up, well, taking me through the valley of the shadow of death. There's usually less time in green passengers. It doesn't seem like the most direct route. Sometimes I have to go backwards before I go forwards because I have to go back and repent for what I've done. I have to go back and set things right. I have to not make amends in the sense of earning something from God, but in humility and gentleness coming alongside those that need me to come alongside them, either to extend the generosity that God's given me or to make right those things that I've made wrong. It doesn't seem like the straightest way to get to where I want to go. God usually takes us through winding roads in the wilderness. We all know the various stories that we could tell that remind us that, yes, God is usually not the straightest from point A to point B kind of God. In fact, oftentimes my greatest frustrations with God is that he just doesn't simply get from point A to point B, but he meanders around. And in the midst of that, what he says is valuable is his character. That despite where he leads us and despite where his map takes us, 
there are always the opportunities to be gentle and to, and to be kind, to be compassionate and to forgive, to exude the character of God. In days like this, where it really seems that we're taking so many steps backwards from the growth of the kingdom and the, the spread of life, as we see so many thousands die, we imagine that this must be a defeat for life and light. I certainly can't tell you how it's not. I'm in the same boat you are. But what I know is that even if I don't know how, this is a part of getting from where we are now to the day that Christ returns and to the eternity of a renewed heaven and earth. What I do know is that we have in Paul a reminder that we shouldn't resort to worldly means, but that we should continue to utilize those things which are at the right hand of God the Father, personified, exemplified, and embodied in the character and nature of our King, who did treat us compassionately, caringly, generously, even on the day of his resurrection, as he's gentle with Mary, as he is kind and slow to allow them to process what they're beginning to see revealed in his resurrection. Resurrection is like changing the very scale of the map. To be resurrected and to know the focus of a resurrected Christ moves us from 100 down to what I just purchased, which is now 24 scale which apparently is supposed to allow me to use all of those roads and hiking trails and four-wheel trails to get from where I am to where I want to go. Some of those roads may seem scary and small to me at times, but at least I know now that there is a way that I can get from point A to point B. The resurrection functions like that in our own hearts and our minds and in our eyes to be able to see at a scale that God sees in the ability to see how the path less taken in the words of the poet is actually a, a path that leads to a place worth going, the place where we are all headed. It's that notion that is often challenging. One scholar says, learning to believe what doesn't at the moment feel true is an essential part of being a Christian. We're adjusting to a different scale. And as God leads us in the tools that are at the right hand of the Father, rather than worldly tools, there are times when we will believe that which feels untrue. But when he is revealed, when Jesus returns, we will all enjoy his glory and knowing that his wisdom was in the end always right. That in the convoluted trail that we are on, not only will Christ be vindicated, but in a real sense, you and I too will be vindicated, that our faith was in the right thing, that our hope was in the right one, 
and that our righteousness was always secured by the only and true and risen King. And that is the glory of getting to where we all want to go in his presence, delighting in his life, and enjoying fellowship with him in his renewed creation. Let's follow the path that the Lord leads using his ways, because they are ways that bring life and light, not just to others, but to us, even as we journey together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news of the resurrection. We pray that it will adjust the way we see the map of our life. Lord, that we will see in ever greater degrees the wisdom of your character, how you unpack what it means to be your children and the Beatitudes or through the Apostle Paul and so many of his books, stressing again, Lord, things that seem weak, things that seem convoluted or will take us on long rabbit trails. And yet, Lord, gentleness, kindness, compassion, humility, forgiveness, you say again and again and again are the signposts and the roads we walk. We thank you that you walk them for us. We thank you that you will walk them with us. And we look forward to the day when we will be with you, not just in spirit, but in body as well. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.